According to Barna, 51% of all church-going Americans are unfamiliar with the term, the Great Commission. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing, Tim? Once again, it's an honor to be here. So good. I got a really important question for you. Okay. Okay. So this is we're this just happened. So we got I got I got to know. Okay. How did your team? You're a Falcons fan. How did your team do in the draft? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we we had some really good uh, top picks. Uh, we had a uh, Jordan Everly and <laughs> Michael Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> and <laughs> Julio. Jones, that one. Oh, right. Hey, Is that's that right? a Falcon, but he wasn't picked at all. But anyway, we got, it's all important. The NFL draft just happened and yeah. I am so desperate for sports. So I just got to say, um, my Vikings did awesome. They actually, the NFL has been ranking them as, as one of the top draft classes of the year. Our rankings went up. Everything's good. And what's even more enjoyable for me is how terrible the Packers did. Everything inside of me is so happy for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. This has been a crazy season. Here we are, you know, we're um, 50 days into isolation here and quarantining and all the craziness going on with COVID-19 mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And we've kind of put GoCast on on pause for a season. But we have two episodes in particular that we've pre-recorded that are really applicable, I think, to everything that's going on and what's happening. And so today's episode, I'm really excited about we did an, I did an interview with our uh, local MP. So for our American friends, uh, our MP is a member of parliament. So basically those who sit in government in, for the, the nation in Ottawa, and she yeah. represents us. And we're able to sit down with her. Her name is Rachel Harder. She's amazing. Um, and we're able to sit down with her and talk about this whole relationship between church and state, mm-hmm. which I think is really applicable with everything that's going on because... How did how do church and government how does it mix now? I mean, there's it, always it, always been an ongoing battle, right? I mean, when especially when you're when you're running a church in a town or a community, and and you hear people say it's like, well, um, church shouldn't be involved in politics, or politics shouldn't be involved in church, and you've got that battle going on. But I remember what you're talking about too with Rachel is that one time where she was explaining how she was in Charlottetown and she had the city set up and it yeah. was purposely built so that the churches in the state would be. In, in union with one another and collaborate with one another rather than be opposed. Right. And that, that would be, that'd be awesome if we could get back to that. And I think yeah. in this time, in many ways, we've had probably more communication with our, our provincial government, Definitely. our federal government, our, our municipal government. We've been yeah. working really closely as a church with them. They've been relying on us. We've been relying on them and just kind of working back and forth. So this is a really good conversation. We can't wait to get, get to, I think it's going to be really helpful for all of us pastors and leaders and and how the government and the church can work together, should work together, and work, you know questions that we need to have answered, and maybe some more questions that we should be asking with in regards to government and the church. So, without further ado, let's go to my conversation with uh, our MP, the Honorable Rachel Harder. Well, hey Rachel, so good to have you on the program. Thank you for doing this. Um, such an honor to have you here with us too. It's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself and in particular, 
your role within church, but also how you came to politics. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. It's really great to be with you and to have the opportunity to share a little bit about my journey. Um, sure. So, you know, I, I started out uh, doing a couple different things. I was, I was working as a sociologist, looking at social, cultural and spiritual trends among young people in Canada. And then uh, I was also simultaneously working with, uh, with young people at a church and uh, doing outreach within, within my city in that capacity. And from there, um, just had a huge love for my country and for my local community and yeah. entered into the realm of politics. Yeah. And how's that adventure been? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's been, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, the transition from private life to public life uh, proved to be a little bit challenging for me. So my first couple of years were, um, yeah, were, were actually quite difficult to be quite honest. Yeah. But uh, God is incredibly faithful and I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so I just feel incredibly honored and blessed to be serving in the capacity that I am. And it's going really well. That's great. Well, it's it's amazing to watch you in action. And I, I've I've told you this before, but I always admire uh, just your ability to speak uh, and in Parliament, but also to the media and different things, and be able to address the issues that are so vital to to women in Canada, but to but to citizens in Canada as well. And it's been uh, amazing to watch you do this and and uh, do and represent us in, in Southern Alberta. So. Thank you, first of all, for serving in this capacity. So what was it that called you in particular and said, okay, this is this is what I should do with my life? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, so working working as a, as a sociologist, doing the research that I did with young people, I had the opportunity to travel across Canada from coast to coast and interact with a lot of different people. And, uh, and you know, during that time, you know, I had a number of people who would who would come up to me and just say, like, hey, Rachel, like, have you ever considered being on the side of policymaking? Um, have you ever considered running, you know, for political office and uh, being a part of legislative work? And and at first I thought, no, no, I, you know, I've always had an interest in systems and government and, and politics. And, and it is a part of my major from university. But I never thought that I would put my name on a ballot. But the more I heard it, the more I started to sit up and maybe pay attention and then just started to pray about it and really felt like God was in it. And uh, and then from there, there was there was quite an influential uh, political leader who reached out to me and um, ended up just really encouraging me to go for it. And then, uh, you know, I would I would just say, like, God surrounded me with some incredible people who were really encouraging and inspiring and offered to mentor me and help me through the process. Because I, I didn't I didn't know anything about politics or in terms of entering if you political had, you office. Probably would have <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But you know, I'm I I'm not from an affluential family. Right. I'm you know, I'm 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 I I I wasn't overly political. You right. know, I had my opinions and I paid attention, but um, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was, it was quite a new realm to me. And, uh, and so I just had to trust that God was in it and that he would make provision and off I went and certainly he did. And here I am. Yeah. And it's, it's an amazing journey to, to, to see your progression, what you're doing, but even as you're, you're raising up an influence within the nation too, it's really cool. A, a couple of years ago, you came and spoke to our, our staff and that was, that was awesome, by the way. It was really good. And our staff still talk about it. But one of the things that you mentioned in there that kind of stood out to me is you mentioned a, a recent trip that you had taken to Charlottetown, PEI, and that you you went to the old part of, of Charlottetown, the original, uh, the, hist the historical downtown of Charlottetown where it got started. And you noticed something 
unique that that kind of made an impression on you. You want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'm I'm standing in the city square and and one of the things that really stood out to me was that on one corner we had a Catholic church and on another corner we had an Anglican church, Boston church. And then on another corner, you know, of this square we had the the parliament house, yeah. uh, the the government house and and, you know, and then I, re- I read a plaque about the history. And as they were developing Charlottetown, they purposely situated the, the city square so that, um, you know, you would, you would have the Protestant church and the Catholic church and the, and the government buildings all within proximity of one another. And the goal was that there would be dialogue, um, yeah. that church would not run state and that state would not run church, but that there could be open dialogue in terms of the the you know um the social issues of the day the the political issues of the day whatever mattered most to the people could be discussed within that public square from the realm of church and the realm of state and there could be a collaboration that takes place and i thought that that was really inspiring yeah that's that's really interesting and that's how the british would set up their their colonies to encourage this kind of this kind of dialogue mm-hmm. yet today one of the biggest you know topics out there is church and state should not mix we should not have you know we should not be in dialogue we're certainly on opposite things we you know we in church we want to keep politics out in in politics we want to keep church out mm-hmm. um so i mean why do you believe that i mean this is this made an impact on you but why do you believe that church and politics should coexist <laughs> <laughs> so you're using a really key word kelly and that is coexist yeah. So I I'm I'm of the opinion that there there should be a separation of church and state. Yeah. Um each should respect the power of the other. And uh but but at the same time of course there can be collaboration, of course. Yes. So, you know, where where the the state government should be responsible for the safety and security of its citizens and should be responsible for facilitating an environment of economic prosperity for all people to thrive and enjoy a good life. Um, where the state should be responsible for preserving as much freedom as possible, but also holding people accountable for the evil acts that are committed. Right. That is the state's responsibility. Right. The church has this incredible opportunity to engage itself on the social issues. So, you know, originally the church took responsibility for things like the soup kitchen and the church took responsibility for healthcare and the church took responsibility for orphans and widows. And, you know, the church has always advocated for human rights, you know, and, and I think the church continues, needs to continue, I should say, yes. to have that, that voice, but also to be hands and feet in the community serving the social well-being of, of, uh, of the people. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, it's the church's responsibility to look after the hearts of men and women and children and to make sure that they're well cared for. Man, I, I love, love, love that. And the reason why I love that is because there's always this debate, and I, I'm part of the church world, talked with pastors all the time, and there's a debate, okay, how, how much do we get involved in right. elections coming up, or how political do we get, and what issues do we bring to our congregation, and shouldn't the church, you know, you know rally more and, and stand up for these things, and, and all the, and it, in the moment you do that, you start alienating Mm-hmm. A bunch of people that you're trying to reach. So I say all the time, you can't you can't reach who you're criticizing, yes. and and you suddenly you suddenly shut them out. So, but what I loved about your talk and and the revelation I got when you were mm-hmm. talking about Charlottetown and how this how the church and the state coexist. What I loved is 
And what stood out to me was this whole idea that the church has a job, has a role to play in society, and that we've abdicated a lot totally. of what you just said totally. to the state. And then we're complaining that they're not doing it our way, <laughs> but we just given them the job. So we've given them the job of providing for the welfare of the citizens, the soup kitchens, the social needs. We've given all that job to them mm-hmm. and we've given them our job mm-hmm. and then we criticize them when they do it. So, I mean, speak into that a little bit and saying, okay, this is the government's role, but this is the church's role. What should the church in particular, what should we as the church and how do we get involved and what do we say and what do we not say when it comes to politics? Yeah, Kelly, it's such an important question and I'm so glad that you're you're asking it. Um, I think it's important for, for churches all across, you know, North America and, and the world even to be asking this question. Um, you know, it, so for me, a really key verse in how I perceive this has been Jeremiah 29, 7. And it just mm. talks about like, um, you know, <laughs> God is, is calling the Israelites in, out of out of exile and um, and he's telling them basically to set up home. And he's, you know, he's he's inviting them to integrate into the mm. community in which he's placed them. And he says, you know, pray for the welfare serve the welfare seek the welfare of the of the city in which i've called you and in seeking its welfare you will you will also benefit right. and i think as the church we have a responsibility to seek the welfare of the communities in which we exist so seek the welfare of those who are homeless seek the welfare of the single mom seek the welfare of the orphan seek the welfare of the widows seek the welfare of those who are disadvantaged or yeah. impoverished yeah. and as we seek the welfare of our community and those that are the most vulnerable within it um, I believe that we are carrying out the exact mandate that Christ has called the church to fulfill. So good. And um, and and so, you know, I, I think the church really does need to rise up and do that. And I think part of that is is risk taking. Yeah. You know, we we risk the potential of rejection. We risk the potential of failure. We risk the potential of our reputation. So be it. Yeah. So be it. Yeah. Take the risk. Because I think in most cases, it's going to pay off far more then churches might be willing to give it credit for. And yes. you know what? Even if it doesn't, who cares? The point is obedience. Yes. The point is what we're called to do. And, yep. and we are called to positively impact the communities in which we exist. And um, and how cool would it be if churches were known for advancing their communities um, in, in, in these positive ways uh, rather than being this institution that is incredibly judgmental, which unfortunately is often how the church is perceived. That is so true. That's so good. I, I think that a lot of times we we talk about you know religion and we got we're expecting the community to come to to the church, mm-hmm. and and yet Jesus's entire ministry is he sought the welfare and and met the felt needs of people first mm-hmm. before he ever preached to them. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he did all these kind of things, and he did that first. Whenever he walked into the community, I take that as a cue. Totally. Then James, his brother, says true religion is mm-hmm. is not preaching. The right theology, not it's it's helping the widows and the orphans. So, you're saying, I mean, the church. I believe, the core of my being, that the church is the hope of the world because we have Jesus as mm-hmm. who is is that hope. So, if we were to actually be the centers of hope in our community, we would increase influence. Correct? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and in the most positive way possible. Yeah, and so I, I think that would be. I mean, political influence as as well, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have to have a voice. So, okay, so. Uh, the most of our audience are pastors and, and leaders of, of churches. So I want you to speak now to the pastor and the leader 
in regards to this debate back and forth on, okay, what do I say from my pulpit in regards to the upcoming election or to the, you know, the, the policy or the, you know, what's getting passed in parliament and, and what we like or don't like, uh, what we agree with or what we don't agree with. If something's being passed in parliament that is anti-biblical, like, what do we say? What do we not say? Yeah. So this is, you know, this, this, this is a really good question. I think it's really key to, to wrestle this out. And, uh, you know, and, and so I, I find myself on both sides, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm a leader within the political sphere. I serve as a member of parliament. I'm elected yeah. and I belong to a party. Uh, at the same time, I am also a member of a, a church congregation and I very much believe in its um, ability to serve the community around it. And, uh, and so I'm engaged in both. But I would say that it is really important for churches to be careful in terms of, of partisanship. Mm. Uh, I, would, I, I would encourage them to steer clear of it altogether. Instead, let's have a conversation about what our congregants should be looking at in terms of, you know, what are the essentials of government? What should a government be doing? What should a church be doing? How should church and government interact? Yeah. What qualities should we be looking for in a leader? Um, you know, it, let's have a conversation about these bigger things and outline that. And then let's encourage people to be involved in civic engagement, which includes voting, but it also includes volunteering. Get out in your community and make yes. a difference. Yes. Um, and so, you know, to encourage that engagement, to encourage that thought process, to wrestle with some of the, the larger issues, I think is really important. And obviously, you know, a, a church has a responsibility to hold to its moral compass. So when it comes to moral issues or ethical issues, by all means, a, ch a church should speak from its theology and feel free to do so. Right. And if there happens to be a legislative piece that does not fall in line with, with that theology or with that um, ethical standard that that church stands for, then I think it is appropriate for a church leader to encourage its members to engage, perhaps write letters or write emails or make a phone call, um, get engaged. But again, stay clear of partisanship. Um, because I think as soon as we cross that line and we enter into siding with one political party over another, um, to your point, we alienate part of our congregation and we actually say that their voice or their beliefs or their values don't matter right. or that they're somehow lesser than. Right. And, uh, and I think it compromises the mission of the church and what Christ has called it to. Wow. That's so good. I'll throw a little bit of a, a curveball. So <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so in this whole idea, I mean, there's some in the religious community, in the church community that, that seem to have almost this, this belief or this moral compass that one party is more Christian than another. And even those outside of the church seem to think that one party is, is got a Christian mm -hmm. following or more, more Christian than another. Right. Um, and so it, that if you vote for or support one of another party, you're not Christian. Hmm. <laughs> so you speak to that just a little bit and, and that whole idea. Yeah, I, I I would say that observation, you know, would 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 be correct. Um, again, I I would just encourage you know those who are in church leadership, you know, to, to again stay clear of partisanship. Just just stay clear of it. It's just it's just best. 
And, uh, and I, I, think, I think as Christians, we have this responsibility as people, as humanity, we have this responsibility to seek understanding. So let's ask good questions of one another. Let's seek to understand one another's point of view. Let's always look to build connection rather than build division. Yes. Um, and I think if we can keep that as our common goal in mind, then I think the church can fulfill its greater mission, which of course is, is you know, should be to draw people to Christ, Christ yeah. and to enjoy relationship with him. That's so good. Good. All right. So how do, how do we as, as pastors, leaders, churches, how do we better support you? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Like, honestly, that's such a, it's such a generous question. It's a really kind question. Um, I think those of us who step into leadership, and I, I, I think a lot of pastors and church leaders would identify with this. Um, it can, it can, it can be an awfully lonely place for sure. Um, you know, you you exercise authority in this realm that is often misunderstood, and of course, you know, there's there's uh, different judgments that are cast against you depending on the party you belong to, depending on how you vote on legislation, depending on how you function uh, as an elected official. And, uh, and so it's so easy to feel, um, maybe isolated or misunderstood or alone. And so, you know, I, I guess I would just encourage churches in a few ways, you know, I've never met anyone in any place of leadership who doesn't have use for encouragement. Right. Yeah. That's you know? So good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think let's start there. Yeah. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you reach out and encourage leaders, whether that's at a municipal level or a provincial level, state level, or, or a national level? Um, you know, I, I always appreciate receiving a nice card in the mail or a nice letter or a nice email, a nice phone call, um, having someone ask to meet with me because they just want to affirm, you know, something that I'm doing. Like, how cool is that? I'll make, yeah. I'll make time for that, that all day happens. long. Once in a while, <laughs> wow. once in a while. Uh, wow. it's, it's, it's rare, admittedly, but when it does, it's, it's, it's this gift. It's yeah, so it's treasured. So yeah. um, and so I think, you know, churches, whether it's leadership or, or congregants, have this incredible opportunity actually actually, to seek out their leaders and be a voice of encouragement, be a voice of affirmation, stand with your leaders in the places that you can stand with yeah. them. And if you can develop that positive relationship, you will gain influence in the areas that maybe you feel the leader isn't, isn't doing as good of a job. And maybe then there's an opportunity to very gently, you know, speak to some of those things. Um, maybe there's an opportunity for the church to suggest that they could be a part of the solution and for that to be accepted by, yeah. by that, you know, yeah. leader, that political leader. And so I think encouragement is, is really key. Um, obviously, you know, prayer, prayer is just a really, um, I think it's a basic, I think it's yeah. something that the church is called to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so pray, pray for our leaders because they need a whole lot of wisdom and whether you agree with their political party or not, or the decisions that they're making or not, uh, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them. And that's in fact, really if you disagree with them, pray for them all the more. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, and, and I guess the third thing I would say is, is, you know, when we see, again, you know, when we see problems in our community arise, I think we have a responsibility to ask the question, well, what can I do about that? That's so good. Yeah. And then, and then let's start that dialogue. Let's have that conversation about how we might be involved mm. in bringing about a positive impact in that area. That's so good. Yeah. What if a church did that? I mean, just, what yeah. if the church saw the needs in the community instead of saying, hey, you know, the government should fix this or the city should fix this? Yeah. What if the church took on the responsibility and said, well, we should fix this? 
What if we what if we took this problem on? What if we solved this? I mean, it'd be it'd be remarkable. It'd be amazing. <laughs> it'd be it'd amazing. Be amazing. And then and then the governments would celebrate the church, and the church Absolutely. could celebrate the governments. It'd be it'd be awesome. This has been so mm-hmm. so good. I, I appreciate this so much. Is there anything that that I haven't asked you that I should have? <laughs> uh, oh, Kelly. Honestly, it's just such a uh, it's an honor you know, to be able to talk about the relationship between church and state, because I think it's a really important one. Mm. And I, you know, again, I, I really feel that it's very important for political leaders from whatever political persuasion to honor and protect what churches can bring into a community and the way that they can serve it in its, right. in its advancement and its, its well-being as a community. And simultaneously, I, I do believe that it's also really important for churches to honor their leaders and to build positive relationship and to seek the welfare of, of the city or community that they're placed in as well. Yeah. And I, I think when we can coexist in this positive relationship, I just think there's no end to what can be accomplished. I think we would be looking at very different cities, very different towns, very different provinces or states, a very different country if we learn how to complement one another. That's so good. Uh, one one final question. Um, what Talk about the spiritual atmosphere that you see as you tr- cross the country and as you're involved in 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 Ottawa and, and here in Southern Alberta. Talk about the spiritual atmosphere and what you're seeing or what you're what you're excited about maybe that you see in Canada or the spiritual atmosphere as a whole. Cause I, I hear so much negative talk yeah. about how things are so spiritually dark mm-hmm. yet. Maybe I'm looking at it from a different lens, but I'm excited about some, there's some really exciting things. So, I mean, talk about the spiritual atmosphere that you're seeing across the country. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think it's, it, it is easy to get discouraged at times. Um, you know, there's, you know, uh, maybe, you're not you're not seeing the headway that that you'd love to see, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I guess when I when I look at my country, when I look at Canada, I see a place of incredible opportunity, you know. And so I I see a country where people exist in freedom, mm. where people get to enjoy human rights, where people get to enjoy basic necessities such as food and water and shelter. Um, people enjoy you know, the opportunity to be able to, to work a, a good job and to be able to provide for their families. And I think there's so much more potential there in terms of, you know, innovation and creativity and, and economic prosperity as a country, which, which is very important. Um, I think there's also a significant amount of opportunity in terms of how we advance ourselves yeah. on in, in social areas as well. Um, in the way that we care for the most vulnerable and and in the way that we seek a vibrant future um, for everyone across yes. this country. Yeah. I, I think there's a huge opportunity for greater unity to be created in this country between French and the English, between East and West, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous, mm. between those who have a faith and those who don't, um, you know, between those who are new to Canada and those who have been here for many, many years, their lineage traces back to, you know, who knows when. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's opportunity to build those relationships, to seek greater unity across this country, and to really enjoy the um, 
the vibrancy, I guess, and the health that would come from that unity. That's so good. I, and that, I mean, that's an opportunity right there that the church ought to step into and Absolutely. say, we have a role to play Absolutely. in unity. I mean, Jesus, Jesus prayed his last prayer for, for his disciples that that's recorded in June, in, in John 17. He didn't pray, God, keep them theologically correct. Keep them preaching the right thing. He, he prayed, God, keep them one, keep them in unity so that the world will know. And uh, so, I mean, that's his mandate for us. That's mm-hmm. the role. The Bible talks about unity. Mm-hmm. So, man, the church ought to be leading the way in unity. And that is a problem that we could easily step into as a church mm-hmm. because we have the connection that is that is Jesus. Instead mm-hmm. of creating division yeah. and criticism and judgmentalism, we should be working on, on bringing unity as well. So love that. That's so good. This is this has been awesome. Thank you so much again for for your time and for doing this with us. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Or- sure. So I, you know, the best place to, to connect with me would be my website or my my Facebook page. Um, so Rachel R A C H A E L Harder H A R D E R dot C A um, or Rachel Harder M P uh, on Facebook. And uh, I always enjoy hearing from people and uh, interacting with them further. That's awesome. Thank you again, Rachel. This has been awesome. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation with Rachel Harder. What was your big takeaway? I love when she went into the scripture of Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, 7, and uh, where God was pushing the Israelites to really seek out the welfare of the land that they were just taking over. Yeah. And it puts the responsibility of us to seek out the welfare of our community in which we exist. Yeah, that's so good. I love, I love the you know her story again of of walking through Charlottetown and kind of seeing how the church and the state should be working together. Right. And I really think it's important in this time that we as the church not abdicate all of our responsibilities. Yes. Uh, to the government and look to the government for all of the answers for all the hope, even financially. Uh, they're not our source. God is our source. But but the more that we you know we emphasize the government and lean into the government, the yeah. more control they can have. The more, and I'm all for. And I'll just state it now. I'm all for small government, big church. Right. And that's what we really want to want to push for. And and um, I, I think it's it's time for the church to step up Definitely. and do its job. Which is why I think it's so imperative for us now to have this conversation because in a time like this, the church does need to be the hope of the world. Yes. So how do people connect with us, continue this conversation? I'd love to hear from pastors and your thoughts on this as well. How do they connect with uh, us at GoCast? Absolutely. You can connect with us on social media. You can go to gocast.ca. Or you can find us through any of the podcast apps, uh, GoCast. And then also when you listen to one of our podcasts, like and review it and share it if you can. Awesome. And we would love to engage in conversation with you. And so, yeah, again, on social media, man, please engage with us, follow us. But then we want to have connections with you and and uh, comment back and forth and hear from you as well and what you're experiencing, where you're experiencing it, especially in this time. Let's connect yeah. together. Let's, let's tie together. Yep. Well, next month, we're going to be releasing another episode, uh, which is good. I'm excited about. I did a conversation with Pastor Tim Lucas. Mm. And Pastor Tim Lucas is the senior pastor of Liquid Church in New Jersey and a great church, really active in the community, doing amazing things. In fact, uh, just recently after I've done the the interview, I just saw another uh, Fox News report on their church and what they're doing in the state and and how they're making such a huge impact there. You're not going to want to miss this episode next month. And so here is an excerpt from my talk, my interview with Pastor Tim Lucas. You know, when I grew up, 
uh, for instance, evangelism was, well, you go out and you hand out tracks or, you know, kind of (laughs) scripted conversation. But with millennials and Gen Z, the misnomer is, well, they're not open to that. No, 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 no. They're not open when there's no bridge of relationship. But if you actually show them the difference the gospel makes in terms of serving the poor, champion uh, special needs children, bringing, you know, clean drinking water to the poorest of the poor in Rwanda, recovering from genocide, they're like, why do you do that? We're like, it's not just a good thing. It's a God thing. In fact, it's a Jesus thing. Yeah. He said a cup of cold water. Do you want to go on a missions trip? We find millennials are craving the desire to harness their life to a bigger cause. And the gospel, of course, is that. But the difference is today's generation wants to belong before they believe. Well, I can't wait for next month in my conversation with Pastor Tim Lucas. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.